is that we need to hear because only you know that. It's between you and our hearts. Maybe it's a word that I say out loud. Maybe it's a word that just comes into our mind. Maybe it's a phrase. Maybe it's something that provokes a memory, a need. Whatever it is, Lord, we know that you're in charge of it. We know that it's your grace and your goodness and your spirit that will pour into this word this morning. And I ask that. That on behalf of this day, that we would all hear a word that we need to hear the most. Beyond the grave. Beyond the empty tomb. So speak to us from the new life that you have to give to us. In Jesus Christ's name, I ask these things. And the people of God said together, Amen. I'd also invite you that you can, if you're new to here, that we actually use the YouVersion Bible app. And I put notes and scripture and all the pieces of my sermon into the YouVersion Bible app. If you've never had a Bible app on your phone or you see it and have never opened it up, I really encourage you. There are plans you can read through. There are daily scriptures that that amazingly line up with things in your life. Well, it's only God can do. You can save the event so you can look at your notes later on. You can do all these things, but it's a great way to be able to, to follow along and to think about, you know, perhaps who else needs to hear a word this morning? Maybe on Facebook, instead of posting cat memes, you know, you might just uh, decide to uh, post a word from the sermon today, from a word that speaks to you this morning. We also welcome all of those of you watching us online. And from around the country and our regulars and those who might be new this morning, we're glad that you're here too. And you can follow along with that version Bible event too. You have to search for us though online because it won't just pop right up. I have fog on my glasses and I can't get it off. It's a sad thing after the age of 40 that everybody's eyes deteriorate. I have 2010 vision, but not not for reading. So what's your favorite part of the Easter story? What's the part of the Easter story that gives you the most hope? Is it the empty tomb? Is it the linen Wrappings, a sign of order in the chaos, because remember they were neatly folded. There was time taken to actually put them together and lay them. There was no need to hurry. Is it Jesus calling Mary by name? Is it the disciples running to the tomb? Maybe even the fact they were clueless now. I kind of laugh sometimes that they actually saw all this. And then it says in the text, which we'll read in a second, it says they still didn't understand. How much more? If you have a problem understanding, feel free. It's okay. Because they went there and saw it. And then they still went back and went, I wonder what that means. And maybe more so, how as Easter, the resurrection of Jesus made a worthwhile difference in your life? It's a question I've been asking myself all week. I actually posted it on Facebook, but I didn't get any answers from it. I did get a taco emoji, and I got, we love Mexican food before Easter, and I asked a serious question, and I didn't get one answer from anybody who apparently didn't read the last part of my post. (laughs) I'm like, not one answer. And I've been kind of down this week about this kind of thing, which is what does... 
You should make a difference. I was in Texas Roadhouse on Friday night after Good Friday service, a very surreal experience to be in Texas Roadhouse with all that noise going on, which I'm introvert anyways, and just to be at that moment of his death and stillness and everything else. And it, and it was just like life just went on. And Rick said to me, he said, this is how it was just back then too. Lots of folks just going on with life that had made no difference whatsoever what happened in the resurrection. It didn't change them one bit. So I've wrestled with that question. How has it made a worthwhile difference in your life? I mean, it's the question of what do you believe? I mean, the story of our resurrected hearts and new life every year begins early in the morning, just before dawn. And that's where we find in John that Dana read so wonderfully earlier. We're going to read it again so we can soak in those words. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb and saw the stone had been removed from the tomb. So she ran and went to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved. Do you not love the rest of them? That's kind of rough. The one whom Jesus loved, everybody else was chopped liver. And said to them, they have taken the Lord out of the tomb and we do not know where they have laid him. So in the stillness, in the darkness, Mary made her way to the place of death. Probably carrying spices to anoint Jesus' body. And she persisted in the darkness. Maybe like this morning, it was all foggy when we got here. It was cold, dark. She persisted in doing necessary work, preparing him for burial. She didn't know he was risen. She was going there to go back in. Think about this. To, to go back and be able to get the body ready for burial. She persisted through her grief. Her beloved one, the one who healed the sick, who offered forgiveness of sins, gave new life to others, was dead. And in the stillness, in the darkness, she made her way to a stone of shattered dreams and broken hearts. And every year, we gather to tell the same story over and over again. A gaping tube. Confused mourners, unexpected, unbelievable encounters, no matter which gospel you look at, with angels and a gardener. Every year the story moves along from searching and sadness to shocking disbelief and then finally to joy. And every year we meet the challenge at the heart of Easter Sunday to praise through fear and persist through fear and darkness, to believe beyond what we think we know, and to welcome Christ in unexpected places and unexpected faces. And every year we all decide if we will allow our hearts to be transformed by the promise and the very presence of God in Christ. If we will trust in our own coming into life again and again. But it isn't just one time a year that we do that. That we get to decide. Every day 
every day, we have to decide whether hope is stronger than despair, whether love is stronger than death, whether belief is stronger than doubt. That's what the story is about. Don't stop believing. Amen? That's the story. And every year we gather together. Some of you haven't been here since last Easter. And sometimes we in the church don't do a good job of honoring those who come when they come. We make jokes about C&Es. Those are Christmas and Easter people. One pastor called them Easter bunnies. I'm sure those folks didn't come back to that church again. There are others. So I want to say I'm sorry on behalf of all of us who didn't honor your seeking Jesus on this day. You could have stayed home, but you didn't. Something or someone brought you here, whether you were drag kicking and screaming because that's what you do, or it's tradition, or you just know you need it and you dragged yourself out of bed, but you don't want to be here and your arms are crossed. I'm not going to listen to a word he has to say and everything else, maybe. It's okay. Because you're here. And we have to honor that with each other. That all of us are, are looking for that. Because we all need resurrection, whether we're here every week or not. Amen? We all need that. We all need to be a part of that experience together. And so we come on Easter morning in our Easter finest. You know, I got a new shirt this week and a tie and I got this cool jacket. And so, you know, you got to look, you know. You should have seen all the stores yesterday packed full of people. And we take in the overwhelming smell of the lilies, which are beautiful. They're really beautiful this year. Thank you. Jenny's florist. We take in the praise team and bells and later on the sound of a full choir and Christ has risen today and all the other things that go along with this. And Some of you know this story so well you can recite it by heart. Most of you probably know the general gist of it. Not remembering the exact details of everything that happens. And for some of you, maybe this is your first time to really hear the story at all. Even though you're not going to admit that. Or before we think that that's someone else, maybe it's just time to hear it really in your heart and not in your head. Amen? Because it's not a story for our head. We can read the story again and again and again. It's a story for the heart. The details aren't really important. I don't have to explain to you why the grave clothes are folded up for you to get it. And I hope that it will be new in some way because after 20 years of doing this, it sometimes feels like I have nothing left to say that could be any different than I've already said year after year on this holiest of holy days. Sometimes you just want to say, you know what, let the music speak for itself. Let me show you a video. I'll go sit down. And that's all there is. What else is left to say about the resurrection? And yet there is so much to say. You know that phrase, you have one job? You had one job? 
I have one job. One job this morning is not to be fancy about what I say or be able to impart something to you that you don't know already. My one job today is to proclaim the resurrection. To make it so that we don't stop believing. To tell the story like our lives depend upon it. Because they do. To tell Jesus' story in a way that will bring those of us who still live in death to the hope of new life. And that doesn't mean just those who have not come to know Christ in their life. Because I expect there is at least a little bit of death in each one of us. Amen? That there is still a place that needs to find new life. That the old life isn't doing it for us. To tell this story not as a tall tale of the past. That we can't believe. That some choose not to. That the soldier stole his body and somebody took his body out of the tomb. And those myths have persisted for hundreds of thousands of years. You can disprove that. You can go with it. You can read Lee Strobel's books and you'll be able to see all the reasons why that's not true. But you have to still believe whether you want to. That's your choice. But of this rising that's happening right now, right here, not just then, today, to not overthink it, my wife kept saying to me, but just tell the story. Don't overthink it. Tell the story with all your heart. It is the story of Mary Magdalene who came with a broken heart to the tomb just before dawn and saw the beginning of a transforming life. It's the story of two disciples. Verse 3, Peter and the other one who ran for their lives, heart pounding towards the empty tomb. The two were running together, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent down to look in and saw the linen wrappings lying there, but he did not go in. You wonder why he didn't go in? And then Simon Peter came following him and went to the tomb. He didn't wait. He saw the linen wrappings lying there and the cloth that had been on Jesus' head not lying with the linen wrappings but rolled up in a place by itself. Then the other disciple who reached the tomb first also went in. And he saw and believed. Did Peter believe? didn't say for as yet they did not understand the scripture that he must rise from the dead how many times did he tell them this before he died Um, okay and it is the story of the two who went back to their homes believing but not understanding it makes that clear that the belief and understanding didn't go together Doesn't that seem like us sometimes? We believe in things we don't understand or we have a hard time believing in things we don't understand and yet we still believe in them. It is the story of Mary stood up weeping outside the tomb and as she wept she bent over to look into the tomb and she saw two angels in white sitting where the body of Jesus had been lying, one at the head and the other at the feet. It's the story of God's messengers who sat among discarded grave clothes and they questioned Mary's tears. 
And it's the story of the risen Christ who hung around the garden and said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Who are you looking for? So that Mary wouldn't be alone in her confusion and her fear. And most of all, it is the story of the risen Lord who calls Mary's name. He says, Mary. And she turned and said to him in Hebrew, Rabbani, which means teacher, a beloved phrase. Notice the exclamation points. And it once transforms her broken heart into a burning heart. And so it has become our story. And the story we pass on to new generations of people so that they and we can go back to the ones we love and proclaim as Mary did on that first Easter morning to the disciples. I have seen the Lord. Amen? That I have seen the Lord. All of us have begun to make that decision or we made that decision that we have seen the Lord in our life. That we believe. Or perhaps we're still struggling with what that means. Do I have seen the Lord? Have I really seen the Lord? Easter reminds us that it's in the darkness that the dawn of morning light comes. It's in the darkness that we discover the stone has already been rolled away. And the love of God has been let loose in the world. He's already gone by the time she gets there. He's not waiting for her to get there. He's already gone, but he waits around long enough to let her know that she is loved before he goes out and shares that love even wider. That the darkness is ever-present. And that it's all too real. We saw that this week in the Notre Dame fire. Remember these pictures? We actually watched as the spire fell in our staff meeting when Dana let us know what was going on. And this is one of my pictures that this spoke to me the most during Holy Week. This red fire cross. Because most churches of that day and age were built in the shape of a cross. And this morning I also heard that in Sri Lanka there was a bombing this morning on Easter Sunday. Darkness still pervades the land and the world. And the story we have to tell doesn't discount the darkness. It doesn't try to remove it. But rather it affirms that resurrection has the power to transform a graveyard into a garden that is brimming with life. Amen? We look around us, we populate the whole world with Easter lilies and and tombs that have gardens with them and everything else that happens and, and we think about that. Resurrection has the power to break open tombs and tear down any walls. Resurrection has the power to show death for what it is, the possibility for love to come again. Because it comes out of that death that love is resurrected. Madeline Engel says, Easter is always the answer to, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? When he's on the cross. Easter is the answer to get to this place. So maybe most of you have seen the Notre Dame pictures by now, the other part. This is the whole lay of it, and there's a closer picture of it, of looking at what's actually surviving at the front, Davis. Piazza's in the middle. That's Mary holding her son. It's a very famous piece. The same way she held her son when he was born, as an infant. It survived, as well as the other two statues. 
and the cross. And the first thing everybody posts is, well, look at this amazing God saved the cross and all that. Let me tell you right now, scientifically I can tell you exactly why the cross exists there and why the statues are still there. Because their burning temperatures are much higher than everything else that was in the room. That's the scientific answer. And the first thing everybody started posting was like going, you're wrong, you're wrong, you're wrong, you're wrong. But still, when I look at that, as a person of faith, I still believe in something more. My brain knows exactly why that's still there, but my heart feels also why it's still there. Does that make sense? That it's more than just what the world tells me, which is true. But there's another truth that underlies that too. People of faith. People who watched it burn. Who were looking for hope and for anything to have survived. And for that to be there, no matter what the reason, brings hope. It is hope. Stephen Kellett in The Empty Promises of Easter says this. He says, think about the promises of Easter. There are three of them. Each promise is marked by something empty. An empty cross, an empty tomb, and empty burial clothes. It is the very fact that each of these is empty that assures us that God's promises are real. Have you thought about that? That it's in the empty that we find that God's promises are real. We believe the resurrection of Jesus is not the ending of the story, but the beginning of many hope-filled risings to come. And because we believe the love of God will come again and again and again. You can never stop the love of God no matter what happens in the world. Amen? The love of God continues from generation to generation, from millennial to millennial. This is not a one-time thing. We still serve the risen Savior who came 2,000 plus years ago. We still... Do you know anything that lasts that long in belief? To raise us out of death, we have hope. We turn our hearts with hope this day to meet the risen Christ with us and within us. And within the love between us and the unexpected that inspires us. We need the unexpected because we're just so ground in the things that we expect. And then like Mary, we must each decide whether hope is stronger than fear. Whether life is stronger than hate. Whether love really is stronger than death. Every day, every moment with our hearts, that is what resurrection is. Deciding every day that God is stronger than the things of this world. And we have to decide, like Peter and the other disciples, whether we will believe even when we don't understand. I can tell you right here that I don't understand the resurrection, and I never will. And I can study about it all I want, and I still will have to believe. There are some things in life you just have to be able to believe. You do it all the time. You believe in love, but you've never seen it. Only the actions of it. You believe in the wind, but you've never seen it. You only see the actions of it. You believe that most of us who aren't electrical engineers, like my friend Sean, that if I turn a light switch on, 
Something's going to happen. But most of us have absolutely no idea how it works. You believe in your car, even though most of us have no idea how the car even works, we just turn the key and we know somewhere, some between here and there, it does something. And yet we believe in it. So don't tell me we don't believe in things we don't understand because we believe in things that we don't understand all the time. You just have to be able to believe. You ever wondered why the stone was rolled away? Couldn't Jesus get out whenever he wanted to? He could have just walked through the stone. He could have gone to the other side. He could have done anything he wanted to do. Why was the stone rolled away? Couldn't Jesus get out whenever and however he wanted to? A former longtime chaplain in the Congress, Peter Marshall, said, The stone was rolled away from the door not to permit Christ to come out, but to enable the disciples to go in. They needed to be able to go in and to see. They had to be able to see to believe. It wasn't for Jesus to get out. And sometimes an event can be thrust upon you and it takes you by surprise. You never would have predicted it in a million years and now here it is staring you in the face. What will you do? You can't stay the same. You can't pretend it didn't happen. You may not know what to do, but this much is certain. You have to do something because you have heard something you have to deal with. That's resurrection. Whether you believe it or not, it's up to you, but you can't just simply ignore it. You can't walk away from it. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? These are the words that he said to Mary and Martha before he raised their brother Lazarus from the dead when they didn't believe and said, you should have been here earlier. He wouldn't have died if he had been here. They're very snarky with him during that moment. This is what he says to them. And then he raises Lazarus from the dead, and yet still they don't understand the power of the resurrection. For the disciples, it took only three days on Friday. They were in deep despair. But by Sunday night, they're on top of the mountain because of the resurrection. That's how something can be so quickly reversed. In life, you can be at the lowest point of your life, and the next couple of days, you can be at the highest point of your life. That's how life changes. It changed that way for Tiger Wood this past week. I'm not a big golf fan. I don't even play golf. I know I'm a preacher. I've never played a round of golf in my life. But I watched that, and I watched the pieces of it, and then I watched this video about people talking about Tiger Woods and how he'll never do anything ever again. Now, here's the thing about believing and knowing truth. That video is not even real. So if you saw it and thought it was real, it's not. It is a real video of his people detracting him, but it's not him responding to it. That's a whole other piece. It's from this website. But five, four million people watched it and believed it. It's important for you to understand what to believe and when to believe. Not everything you see on the Internet is true. But what they said about him is true, and I want you to hear what they said about him. Can Tiger Woods compete with the Justin Thomases, Jordan Spieths, Dustin Johnsons? No, is the short answer. I mean, should get this question a lot. Do you think he'll return his previous form? No. Do you think he stands a chance of being the Tiger Woods we once knew? No. No, no, no. Here's what's going to happen. 
He is not ever going to win another tournament. I don't think we'll ever see Tiger Woods win a golf tournament again. He's showing up at these tournaments and pretty much knowing that he's, he's not going to be there. The short game is gone. His health is gone. The next press release Tiger Woods should release should be I'm retiring. I have considered him now for the last five, six years a former golfer. Your watch. Just give up while you're ahead. Retire with some dignity. Tiger Woods, that we all knew, he will never, ever be that guy again. That's pretty rough, even if it's not real. The comments are real. And I guarantee he heard all those comments, you know, while he didn't sit in front of a computer watching them. Can you imagine being told that you're nothing? Never be good again? You're a failure? Give up? Retire now. Save your dignity. Tiger Woods, he said these words about when he was asked, when he heard those kind of things and all this stuff. He says, well, you never give up. That's a given. You always fight. Just giving up never is, the, is the, in the equation. Focus on that and just keep fighting. That's just part of the deal. We wake up every morning and there's always challenges in front of us. And keep fighting and keep getting through. That's what he said in the interview afterwards. When no one believed in him. You see? You don't stop believing. No matter what you go through in life. So whether you feel like the tomb is still closed tightly shut for you. And you're just trying to, to get a little peek of, of light to be able to get out. Or the stone is partially rolled away and you just wish it would go away more and more, but you just can't seem to get it to get out of the way so you can get out. Or whether the stone is fully free, but you still feel like you're sitting in your grave clothes in an empty tomb and sitting there waiting to do whatever it is that God has called you to do and to be. Whatever it is, don't stop believing. Say it with me. Don't stop believing. Say it again. Don't stop believing. One more time. Don't stop believing. And if by now that hasn't raised into your mind the journey song of all of our growing up, from the very beginning, Lori, you think about that, weren't you, the whole time? He said, don't stop believing. I'm going back to the 80s. I'm going back to, I'm, I'm riding my Trans Am. I'm going back to the T-tops and I'm going down the road and don't stop believing's coming on, right? Well, Jonathan Cain, who wrote that song, Part of Journey, he said this about why he wrote the song. So listen to this. This is really interesting. It's got a groove to it. It does. It's got something. And it was all based on some advice my father had given me back when I was struggling in Hollywood. My dog got hit by a car, and I had to put her back together. It was a $900 vet bill, and I'm barely making the rent. I called my dad up and said, I need a loan. Am I just dreaming? Should I just come back to Chicago and forget this dream? He said, I'll give you the loan. But you've got to stay put. And he said, son, don't stop believing. I was like, that's beautiful, Dad. I had my little lyric book and I'm doodling. Don't stop believing. And now we have to play at least one minute of it. Get your guitar solos ready, you know. You're only going to get a piece of it, so you're going to have to watch it when you get home. But it'll be in your head all day now. That's the whole point. But don't stop believing. You don't stop believing no matter what. Just a small town girl. You can sing along for one minute of it. It gets a little racy after that. 
after that, I think. Have you ever listened to the lyrics, actually? Don't stop believing, even when you don't understand. Don't stop believing, because the resurrection shows that God didn't stop believing in us. Amen? God didn't stop believing in us. So don't stop believing in God, even when you don't understand. Because some things in life, you just have to go on faith. It's the way life is. Life is all about faith. So don't stop believing. When we look at this table that's up here and we think about this table and this whole understanding of, of what it means, we, we look at it and maybe some of us are like, you know, I don't see it very often or I see it every week or it's somewhere in between. And we wonder really is, what am I doing? Why am I coming up and having a piece of bread, which is kind of scary and kind of weird? And why am I drinking this juice and dipping my bread into it and all this kind of stuff? And it's a symbol. It helps us to to remember that Jesus would give his life for us and that that's a part of the resurrection, his death, his life, his teaching. It all led up in Holy Week during those last days of his life when it wasn't just like Easter, you know. It was a more down time. Even though they were celebrating the Passover, he he had the bread at at the... at the Passover meal, and he lifts it up, and they always broke the bread before. They always broke that in the Passover meal. But, and they gave thanks to God, their Father, the Creator, and Lord of the universe. But when he brought it back down, he did something totally different they weren't ready for. He said it was about him. This is his body. It's going to be broken. Things are going to happen to me that you're not going to like, you're not going to understand, but... My body's going to be broken for each one of you. Broken as the last lamb forever. And then he said, remember me by doing this. And so the church has for millennia done the exact same thing. The bread may change, but it's the same exact thing from the very scripture itself. And we look at these cups and, and we think about this grape juice that's inside of them that would have been wine at their day and time. And it's hard for us to imagine that it's really blood. And that's kind of creepy anyways, isn't it? This is. But it helps us to remember there's a cost. There's a cost to everything. 
anything that requires a sacrifice. And there's a sacrifice that was a part of this whole thing, a sacrifice of his life, a sacrifice of God coming down in human form in the first place and walking with us and sacrificing the God characteristics for a moment in time. He lifted the cup up, and in that meal, that cup was the cup of redemption. The four cups in the Passover meal of wine that they drink, and the cup he lifted up was the cup of redemption, that I'm redeeming you, that I'm making you new. Those weird words like washed in the blood, but, but even more so washed and made clean, pure, white as snow in my life. I will pour out for you. Jesus himself said, There is no greater love than to lay down your life for a friend. And Jesus calls all of us friends. He even called Judas, who betrayed him a friend, because he let him dip into the cup with the bread before he left to do what he had to do. And only people who were friends were allowed to dip into the cup with each other. Even Judas was forgiven even though he couldn't forgive himself. And so whatever it is that you bring here today, let it go. Whatever it is perhaps that keeps you away from God, let it go. Let forgiveness roll over or just not believing go away. Come and receive and know his presence in your life and his love. Because this is all about love. It's a table of love. And everybody is invited to the table of love. And so this morning as you come, I invite you also that you can kneel at these rails. Pour your heart out to God. If it is the only day you're going to be in church this year, make it count. Take time to use this moment to be with God in a different way. Yes, you can be with God at home all the times you want. That is awesome. But there's also... A time when Jesus says being in community is the most important thing to be. So be in community today with one another. It is Christ who invites to this table, not I. And I'm at this church. Everyone is welcome to come. John Wesley, our founder, believed it was a means of grace in which you could even find salvation through it. So I invite all of you to come and to receive this remembrance today. Let those who are coming to serve to come forward as we pray over these elements. Gracious God, may you be present in this bread and this juice. Make them be for us the body and blood of Christ, that we are redeemed by that blood to go out into ministry to all the world. Pour out your Holy Spirit on them, these elements and us now as we gather. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. People of God said together, amen. Folks are going to be here on Easter. And so 
there are stations in the back right here as there are stations right here. If you're in the back side and you want to come to the altar rail, so just circle back around and come to the altar rail. Otherwise, you'll come back to the back and you'll go around back to your pews. The front sides will come this way and be served this way. The side aisles come from the crosses and come back around. You can make it work. However it needs to work will be fine. Take whatever time you need to take to be able to celebrate this morning as we all get into our stations. I would invite the first row of people who are behind the sign to start and work your way towards the back. So the first row, if you see the sign, you're going that direction. We're going this way. Come and receive the resurrection, the bread of life.
till he returns or calls me home. Here in the power of Christ, I'll stand. Don't stop believing no matter what happens in life. Don't start believing in the darkness. Don't stop believing in the power of love. Don't stop believing in the power of Jesus to break open tombs and to tear down walls. Don't stop believing in what Jesus has to offer us in the power of the resurrection. Don't stop believing. Come together with your community. And together we'll stand and face anything in our lives until he returns or calls us home.